So the reading is from Matthew 6, 9 to 12. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive also as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one thanks Dean alright everyone so last week um, Malcolm was talking to us on the first half of this and I included it in today's reading because I mean, it sounds obvious, but we're following on from last week. Um, and obviously, the second half sits with the first half, believe it or not. Uh, you, you know, to jump in just to the second half without remembering what we've learned in the first half seemed like an odd thing to do. So I want to quickly recap some of Malcolm's points from last week. So he talked to us about the importance of examining our hearts and the praying heart. So, so this... The Lord's Prayer came just after Jesus was talking about the hypocrites who would pray on the street corners and, you know, make sure everyone knew what they were up to. They loved to pray out loud so that everyone could see them and praise their spirituality. So Jesus is warning us to keep it sincere and keep it simple. And Malcolm, he shared some wisdom around, you know, how there's actually a lot of freedom in how we pray in a, in a practical sense. There's no issue with praying on street corners or praying publicly or praying, you know, there's a place for those bold public prayers. So, so the, the point of his message wasn't to say, you know, don't pray out loud in church, don't pray confidently with strangers on the street. That's not the point. The, the key focus there is we need to examine our hearts and be careful that we're not praying to look extra spiritual. So yeah, don't let that discourage you from speaking out and blessing others with your prayers. Secondly, at the, start of, the, the focus at the start of this prayer and who it's addressed to, our Father in heaven. So remembering that God is a loving Father and that he cares for us and that he's also the ruler of the universe. And thirdly, Malcolm encouraged us to pray big, you know, big talk for a big God, praying for God's will in our life and here on earth. So following on from that today, we're focusing on verses 11 to 13. And so it's only a few lines, but there's quite a lot to unpack in there. These few lines are given to us as a guide to prayer, and they contain a lot. So that first part, give us today our daily bread. God is our provider. You know, we are the, the poor, the needy, and everything we have in life comes from God. And it's, it's kind of tempting to think of this as the good part of the prayer. You know, we've kind of flattered God with the first half. Now we can finally ask for what we want. You know, this, this is the important bit that we should be paying attention to. And, I mean, it's not, not really the right way to look at it. Um, you know, it he's, we're asking here for our daily bread. We're not asking for, you know, something fancy. We're not asking for a fancy house. It's, it's prayers to cover our basic needs for the day. And strangely enough, you know, we're, we're richer than most people throughout history. I mean, most of us here have probably got a fridge full of food or a freezer. You know, we could, we could last a week, maybe two at a stretch. We're, we're not desperately relying on that daily bread. We're reminded of the Israelites in the desert that you know they're wandering through the wilderness for forty years, no food in sight. There's nothing to rely on there around you. You can't rely on your own ability to gather food. 
and God provided for them for 40 years. Every morning, this miraculous bread would appear from heaven. And they were told to collect it just for the day. If they stored up too much, it would rot and it would be bad the next day. Um, apart from somehow on a Saturday, it would last two days. Um, God's miraculous. Um, he can make things like that work differently for different days, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, the, the message there is that it's, it's they're daily having to rely on God. They can't store up. Notice in that line, give us today our daily bread. You know, daily is emphasised twice there. Give us this day our daily bread. One day at a time is the focus. One thing I found interesting when I was digging into this is that a lot of the commentaries were pointing out that this is a template for corporate prayer. Um, you know, We assume that this is the template Jesus gives us for personal prayer and it it is a great template for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of point, a lot of people point out that there's good reasons why this is probably intended as corporate prayer, or at, at the very least, the scope of it is a lot bigger than just praying for us and our immediate needs. Um, I mean, the the obvious one, you know, the focus is on. There's a lot of ours. Give, you know, our Father. Give us. Forgive our debts. Deliver us. And the language isn't a me. It's it's a it's a group language. It still, still works as a personal prayer, but the language is, is ideal for corporate prayer spoken together. The common direction of this prayer is very, you know, it's church-focused and kingdom-focused, especially in the context of that first half. You know, Heaven, Heavenly Father, we want your will and your kingdom to come on earth. You know, that, that's the bigger picture and the shape and the direction of the prayer. Then following on, we've got the personal part. And, and it is still a personal... It's a personal request for our daily bread and forgive us and, and all these things, but it, it's in the context of that first half, which gives it a slightly different spin on it, I think. You know, we're saying, Heavenly Father, give us our daily bread. Help us with our daily needs, you know, with, with food, with shelter. But to what purpose? You know, is it, you know, God feed us so that we're not hungry? Or is it God feed us and sustain us to do your will, you know, to help us usher in your kingdom? You know, feed us and let us not worry in order that we may focus on your kingdom. You know, Heavenly Father, forgive us, forgive us our sins, deliver us from evil. Why? You know, so that we can be you know, happy and have no worries in our life and things will be good. Or rather, you know, forgive us and deliver us from evil that we may be confident in our standing with you, that we may be effective messengers of your good news, that we wouldn't be destroyed by all the many distractions in the dark, but instead focus on you. You know, the, the focus of this prayer, it's pointed towards this common goal that we would be effectively able to serve God. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God is our partner. We are sinners in need of forgiveness. You know, one thing I love about this, this template that we're given in the Lord's Prayer is how you can get such a solid reminder of the essentials in just a few verses. You know, we're, we're reminding us that God loves us like a father, that he's holy and trustworthy, that he's in charge, that he provides for our needs, that he has forgiven us and he can deliver us from evil. Like, there's, there's not really much more that we need to be reminded of, is there? Like, it's, it's a very tidy, concise summary of the Christian beliefs. And if we're praying in this format and we're doubting that God is listening, 
sorry, if we're praying in this format and we are doubting that God is listening, doubting that he cares, then we can remind ourselves by praying through this format that we are forgiven and loved by God. And it also reminds us to forgive others. Um, you know, you've, you've all heard that phrase, unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. You know, like things never get better when you hold on to resentment and let it fester. You know, it, it never helps, does it? And you've, you've probably also heard that verse or, or had someone, you know, pray or, or ask that, that you would receive that peace of God that transcends all understanding, that would guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, that, that's a, it's a common prayer and it's an awesome line from Philippians 4 7, and it's a good thing to want for and to ask for. But does anyone remember what comes before that verse? It's not usually brought up in, in those situations. But before that, so Philippians 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you can't have that second half of that without the first half. You know, If you want to get that, that peace of God that transcends all, of under, all understanding, what do you do? In every situation, by prayer and petition, bring those things to God. So yeah, it's in the context of worrying and, and don't be anxious. If you want that thing, you've got to do the first part. And I'll be the first to admit that prayer is not my strong point. Um, I think, John, you summed it up great. Sporadic. I, I can relate to that myself. Um, at least in my current season, I'm, I'm struggling to talk to God. Um, often I think it's all just a waste of time. I'm, I'm very unmotivated. This, this series of prayer, I'm a bit ashamed to say I was, you know, avoiding it and, and delaying it. And, yeah, not something I was looking forward to speaking on because it's not my comfortable place or not something that I feel like I can, you know, unpack and tell you guys things because, yeah, to be honest, I feel like I need to be learning more from other people. But here we are. But this, this verse in Philippians, it, it's made a lot of sense to me as I was unpacking this, you know. If we're to pray based on the format that we're given here in the Lord's Prayer, something quite amazing happens in terms of our worries and our anxieties. So I'm going to give you a, a really terrible, I feel like I shouldn't be playing this format from up here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to give you an example of my grumpy, pessimistic prayer with you. And, and maybe you can relate if you're in the same boat. Um, and if not, just imagine you're having a really terrible week or month or year. Um, maybe you don't have to imagine that maybe that's your reality at the moment, and, and that's okay. But as we start following this prayer format, here's, here's what I find out. All right, so, grumpy mood, terrible, here we go. I start with my father in heaven. And instantly, my mind says, God, I know you love me like a father loves their child. And, you know, I'm, I'm a recent dad myself, and I love that little guy to bits. And God, you love me even more than that. I don't get it, but that's what you claim. You know, instantly, I'm, I'm cut down a step and my, my grumpiness is, is taken down a level. Hello, be your name. Mumble, mumble, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> God, you are good, and I know that. I do know that. You know, I've read many stories of you coming through for your people. I've seen it. If I look back, I can see it in my own life and the lives of others. I do know this. You are trustworthy, and you keep your promises. I get it. I'm just a bit... Whatever, not in the mood. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, God, I'm annoyed that things aren't working out right now, but I do know that you're in control. Things really suck at the moment. 
but I know that one day things will be the way you design them to be. Give me today my daily bread. God, just help me get through today. And usually this is now when I would start thinking of all the things that are worrying me, um, how scary the future looks and all that sort of stuff. You, know, you can endlessly list the things there are to worry about. But as I pull myself back, you know, the instructions of this template, give me today my daily bread. What do I need to get through today, right now? What are these essentials? And often, strangely enough, my big list of worries, what do I need to get through today? God, help me to not worry about these things. None of them are knocking on the door right now. Help me to forget about these things and focus on you. That's what I need right now. If you can get me from there till tomorrow, I can do the same thing. I can, you know, that's what I need for right now. God, forgive me. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Thank you for your promise of salvation through Jesus. For being reminded of this, it also helps me bring any of my other conflicts to God. You know, God, I'm really angry at this person for what they did. But as I speak that out loud, I realise I can't hold on to that anger. I know that, that I'm forgiven, that I shouldn't hold on to that resentment. Help me to forgive them and to let go. Yeah, and God, I'm really wanting to do something stupid right now. You know, I'm in a bad mood and I don't even care. You know, but as I come to this last step of the template, you know, I'm, I'm begrudgingly reminded to ask God for guidance, <coughs> and good decisions and in protection. You know, I'm, I'm bringing God into whatever's going on. So, so at the end of the prayer... What's, what's changed? Like My situation hasn't actually changed. My, not, nothing in my circumstance has changed, but my perspective has. You know, no, no matter how bad things are in that moment, the worst conclusion I can get to by the end of this prayer is, yeah, things are pretty crappy right now. But in the big picture, God loves me, he is in control, and my future holds something good. You know, like, like better than good. My future looks amazing if we're to trust the promises of God. So it's quite a, quite a strange process that, yeah, I, I think it's an okay place to end up, that, that our circumstance can still be horrible, but we're reminded of things that actually are much bigger than what's going on. Um, I was reading some commentary notes by John Calvin, not who I would have thought I would find something that I resonated with on the topic of prayer, but he, he had some really interesting points. He mentions that you know this first petition, give us our daily bread, is asking that God would give us all the things that our physical body needs, you know, food, clothing, practical needs, then pointing out that our caring Father doesn't hate when we ask these things. When we ask these, we are committing ourselves to God's providence and acknowledging that he is the one to feed and preserve us, that we should look to God for everything, even small stuff like bread and water. Excuse the old English in this. It's, it's a little bit wordy, but we'll get there. He says, Owing to some strange inequality, we feel more concerned for the body than for the soul. Many who can trust the latter to God still continue to be anxious about the former, still hesitate as to what they are to eat, as to how they are to be closed, and are in trepidation whenever their hands are not filled with corn, wine, and oil. So much more value do we set on this shadowy, fleeting life than on a blessed immortality. But those who, trusting to God, have once cast away their anxiety about the flesh, immediately look to him for greater gifts, even salvation and eternal life. It is no slight exercise of faith, therefore, to hope in God for the things that would otherwise give us so much concern, nor have we made little progress when we get quit of this unbelief 
which cleaves, as it were, to our very bones. The, the old English in there, I, I, there's, I don't know if it's some du- double negatives or something really clunky is going on in that last line, but I really love it so much, you know. It says, um, so much more value do we set on these shadowing, fleeting life than our blessed immortality. You know, I'm a bit, bit ashamed to admit that of myself. You know, there are parts of the Bible that are you know, confusing or debatable or mysterious, but I, our assured salvation through Jesus and what he has done for us, you know, that's, that's black and white. That's actually not that complicated. It's, it's hard to believe and it's you know, incredible and undeserved, but it's black and white. That's the good news for all who trust in what Jesus has done. And yet, even believing this, I still find myself worrying more about today and tomorrow and everything that might go wrong between here and eternity. By reminding ourselves that our sins are forgiven, our eternal needs are taken care of, we don't need to stress so much about our temporary physical needs. So he points out in those last lines that it's no small thing when we get to a place of daily relying on God for small things like food and clothing. So, nor have we made little progress, meaning you know, we've, we have made a lot of progress, when we quit of this unbelief. So when we stop unbelieving. So the more normal way of wording that, I would say, was we have, when we finally believe God cares about providing for our daily needs, we have made a lot of progress in our faith. Like It, it's, it seems such a minuscule thing that when we finally trust God for our daily bread, that that's actually a big deal. Lastly, goes on to saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, God is our protector. We are the weak. We are easily tempted and easily lured astray. You know, lastly, we are reminded to pray for our spiritual journey and are acknowledging our weakness, that we are, you know, we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. We are asking God to take and seal our hearts and keep us close to him. <coughs> asking for protection from the evil one. You know, we need to be reminded that there is a tempter and there is an evil one. And what Jesus is, what, what's Jesus telling us to do about that? You know, he's, he's telling us to pray to God for deliverance. You know, notice he doesn't tell us to argue with the evil one. He doesn't tell us to fight him or to work really hard. No, simply to bring, bring it to God and tell him about it. And I think that's one of the key things that I need to remind myself about prayer. Um, for a while now, prayer has felt, for me at least, felt pointless. That, you know, there's no point praying. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God's will is going to happen, whether I ask Him for it or not. And I've always known that's a bad attitude. I'm not saying that it's what you should be thinking. Uh, but I think one thing I've been missing here is one of the key points of prayer: that when when we are praying and we we are communicating to God that we need Him, that we do want relationship with Him. You know, when we pray, we are believing that he can hear us, and that we're believing that he has the capacity to meet our needs, and believing that he's actually interested in doing so. Yeah, so prayer is saying, I need God. And strangely enough, you know, prayer actually is a statement that, that indicates you do believe in God, and you believe that he cares for you, and that he has the capacity to care for you, and that he will care for you. Sim- simply the act of prayer itself says that. And I, I've, I felt quite challenged reading the, well, thinking the opposite of that statement. 
you know, if prayer is us saying we need God or that we want relationship with God, then what does the absence of prayer mean? You know, does it mean, am, am I saying, God, I don't need you, I've got this? Or does it mean, actually, God, I don't want a relationship with you? Or I don't trust you to take care of my needs? When we do pray, we are trusting that God is who he says he is, even when we don't get the answer we hoped for. And looking forward to Sarah's sermon on that one next week, an unanswered prayer. Another word from John Calvin here. (coughs) Believers do not pray with the view of informing God about things unknown to him, or of exciting him to do his duty, or of urging him as though he was reluctant. On the contrary, they pray in order that they may arouse themselves to seek him, that they may may exercise their faith in meditating on his promises, that they may relieve themselves from the anxieties by pouring them into his bosom. In a word, that they may declare that from him alone they hope and expect, for both themselves and for others, all good things. Quite a, a key thing about prayer, isn't it? That, I mean, it's the same with, with any relationship. It, it's the conversation. It, it's, it's not the expecting to get the result of that conversation. It's the relationship itself. So just to, to sort of summarise some of these key points in this template... We start with remembering who that we are, we are praying to and who we are. You know, we must remember who we are talking to. You know, our, our heavenly Father, the ruler of all, our generous provider, the merciful Savior. You know. So God is our heavenly Father. You know, remember that we are His children and we are loved by Him. God is the ruler of all, and we are His creation, chosen to share life with Him. God is our provider, and we are the poor and needy. Everything we have comes from God. God is our partner. We are unworthy sinners in need of forgiveness, but we don't remain this way after receiving forgiveness from him. And God is our protector. We are weak, easily tempted, and lured astray. We need our daily reliance on him. And lastly, just a reminder that prayer shows our faith. By entering into prayer, no matter how awkwardly, we are professing our faith. When you're praying, you're communicating that you need God and that you want a relationship with him. You're believing that he can hear you, and you're believing that he has the capacity to meet your needs, and you're believing that he's actually interested in doing so. Prayer is saying, I need God. It's a statement that indicates you believe God cares for you, and that he will care for you. So this week, um, I'd encourage you guys to try out this format of prayer if you don't already. Um, take your time and work through it slowly. And you know, as I showed, even if you're not in the mood, even if you're in the worst mood, do it anyway and see what it does for you. Um, and luckily, we can bring our worst moods to God. You know, He can handle it. But focus on each of these truths and let that be enough. You know, All we need is for it to get to us to tomorrow. We can do the same thing again. Just need us to get us through one day at a time.